Radio, the transmission and reception of electromagnetic waves on radio frequency, especially those carrying sound messages, or the activity or industry of broadcasting sound programs to the public. Fanboy, a male fan, especially one who behaves in an obsessive or overexcited way. This is the Radio Fanboy Podcast, and here's your host, Bevo. Well, today's guest is a Sydney radio legend. He started his career at 2GO on the Central Coast. And can you believe he's made a comeback? He's he's back there. Well, it's not exactly 2GO these days. It's Triple M on the Central Coast. Let's welcome Bob Peters. G'day, Bob. How are you, mate? Good, Bevo. How are you, mate? Going all right. Um, you're back home on the Central Coast. That must um, feel like you've done a bit of a, a tour of Australia and then returned home, yeah? Somewhat, yeah. I have though managed to live here most of my life and just commute when I've had to. But um, yeah, I love the place, mate. It's God's country up here. What's the name of that freeway again? I used to do it all the, the time. Used to be the uh, the F three. We call it the F three Grand Prix, but now it's the Triple M one. Oh, fantastic! I like the branding there. So, <laughs> like I did mention, we we did say that you started your career at Two Go as a twenty year old. Yeah. Let's talk about those days when you got your okay. first gig in radio. Oh, well, geez, that was a, a, a interesting start. My dad owned a service station up here. Um, you remember service stations where they had Bowser Boys? I was one of them. Oh, right, um, okay. Yeah, so um, me and my uh, three brothers, well, me and my two brothers, we've all got deep voices. Dad had a deep voice too. Um, but I had no idea that radio was even a job. I was a radio fanboy myself. I used to listen to, uh, I think it was uh, Rick Julian and Don Glover uh, up here on on 2GO back then, and even, you know, when I get a good radio area, I'd listen to Ronnie Sparks in Sydney. Oh, yes. Um, you know, he was, when I when I got into radio, he was the one I wanted to be like, you know, he was the one that inspired me. Um, just the clever stuff he used to do, you know. Uh, anyway, um, I was pumping gas one day, and um, uh, this car pulls in behind the car I was filling up, and Dad came out to serve him, and, you know, uh, being a customer of Dad's, and he had a disco unit in the back of his car, and he said, what's that, Dad said? Uh, and the guy said, oh, it's a disco unit. The kids love music. And he's gone, uh, do you make money? And the guy's gone, yeah, we make money out of it. He said, do you employ people? He said, yeah. He said, well, give my son a job. He's costing me a fortune. Because <laughs> my friends had come into the server. I'd fill their tank up, you know, you know, drinks or whatever, and not charge them or charge them very little. And, you know, he'd know. He'd, he'd know. So uh, eventually the guy's gone, yeah, send him up to um, uh, one Memorial Hall. We've got a night on up there. So we'll give him half an hour. I ended up doing the whole night. Um, which was fun. And so from there, I found out that his partner was Pete Little, uh, who you might know. And Pete was the program manager at 2GO back then. And when I found that out, I was at him like a like a dog at, at your toes looking for food. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll clean the toilets, mate. I don't care what it is. This is a job. I want to be part of the industry. And finally got the invite to come in for a job um, uh, and host uh, late nights and do karting and mid-dawns and started off from there, I think it was, yeah. Wow. So how many years did you spend at uh, TGO initially? Oh, well, you know, big head, one year. Got, jo- <laughs> got the first job offer and I left. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they said to me, you know, because TGO was uh, – they spoiled me. They said, you know, you've been spoiled growing up here. Uh, and and working at the station. And when I got to 4GR in Toowoomba, it was like, uh, compared to 2GR back then, it was like a complete shift yeah. in culture as well because Queensland was a different place back then as well. Um, and so I went up to 4GR and spent six months there and was, you know, uh, not happy one bit. And then uh, 
then left there. But uh, yeah, two GL was one year, but it was uh, it was a great year. It was it's it made such an impact on me. It always is part of my um, fondest memories of radio that first year. Well, it sounded like that you uh, wanted to get back closer to home, and um, mm. a few stations later, where did you end up after Toowoomba? Well, Toowoomba ended up going to uh, Triple M in Sydney, and I was there when they had their first simulcast, which was the band simulcast. I think it was uh, with Channel 7, I wasn't sure. But I was there for a little while, but I found the, I found the shift to FM um, – a little hard to take. It was hard. If you, you know this broadcast, it was like broadcasting on Channel One as opposed to being on air. Yeah, coming from the old AM days, and I just couldn't get my ears around it. I just didn't feel right, um, and so I left. Um, ended up working up at Two NX in Newcastle. Um, then from there, uh, you know, back in those days, you'd be promised a gig, and sometimes it wouldn't work out. Yeah, promised. Promised, uh, you know, to be floating. Ended up doing mid dawns. So was like, oh, no, I can't do this. Yeah. So I uh, took a break from the industry, um, and that was at that time in my career that I thought, well, I've got to pull my socks up and pull my head in. I've been a little bit awkward with my jobs, and you know, a little bit pea headed, or well, not pea headed, but a um, little bit ego driven. And so I did. Plus, I had good mates who who, me, who stripped me down. Um, and so I, um, I gave, um, I think it was Barry Chapman a call and said to Barry, uh, can you give me a hand? Uh, he was at Triple M when I left there. And he's, uh, he's going, yeah, mate, I can organise something for you. And next thing you know, I've uh, got a job down at 2XL in Kuma where Brad March was the PD. Oh, wow, yes. That's where I got my career start too, at 2XL. In what a great Sharp, place. Sharp Street Kuma, is that Sharp where? Street Kuma yeah. above the shopping centre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, that right, was a great place. Right next to KFC. So in my <laughs> seven-minute song, I ran next door, ordered some chips and came back. <laughs> and the Aussie Hotel was across the road. Oh, yes, was, uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That was a great place to work for me because it was uh, it was another shift in culture because I'd, I'd done snow skiing before, but I was there every day. It was like, yeah. you know, you'd finish work at 9 or 10, you'd maybe do spend an hour writing ads or seeing clients and, and then recording the commercial, and then you'd go off to the ski fields and, and ski. It was just a lot of fun. It was and an interesting was, place because when summer was there, it was like a ghost town. There was hardly anyone was. around. It was a real, you know, typical um, yeah. stop by, truck stop place on the way to Cooma, and, uh, on and, the way to Jindabar, I should say. Very much an ABC town. They hated 2XL because they thought it was, you guys are just for the locals. Uh, just for the locals. Right. And they were right, partially, but still, you know, the locals brought money to town, so you, I could never get my head around there. Either, so... <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, you know, when winter hit, there was like 100,000 people. Everyone there was going was. skiing. It was crazy. There was. Funny story. Back then, too, I would um, uh, I was looking for somewhere to live, and Kevin Blyton said, why don't you live at the transmitter? What? And it was out of town, yeah. I can't remember the name of the place, something in Flats. Yeah. Um, so I lived there, and I swear the rats were bigger than me. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, I... And I had my license suspended at the time, so I had to ride a push bike. By the time I got to work at four o'clock in the morning, I had icicles in my ears. Yes. It was crazy. It was crazy, but it was all fun. Yeah, you know, it was. It was great. Yeah, I, definitely. I loved it. Looking back on it now, so that's when I got. Um, that's when I got the big city break. Um, I'd uh, got an offer from TUW, or um, well, I applied for a job, and, and Ronnie Sparks said, "Yeah, come on up." Wow. So I got gone up to do uh, mid dawns. And so I was there for about, oh, I would say, anywhere between uh, a month to three months. Yeah. And um, and then uh, the opportunity came up uh, and he shoved me in a drive. Oh, awesome. 
Yeah, yeah. So I was still fairly young and naive, and and of course my my mindset had changed, and it was like just do what you have to do, do everything you have to do, play the game, and and you know um, get along with everyone as much as you can in your previous career the right way, as opposed to being a beehead. I was going to say, what's what's what was it like to um get the call from your radio idol saying, "Here, oh, I've was, got a job." I was shaking. I was shaking. I remember I was shaking holding the phone. You know, yeah. back in those days, it was. You'd be at a phone box making this phone call, or, or you know, at, at the office somewhere in a room. Yeah. And I was shaking. It was like, yeah, I've got a job, you know. It's like, he's like, I'm not a uh, Yeah, would you like to come on up? Uh, I got a small for you, doors. I'm like, uh, yep. When do I start? And uh, so I went up to TW and, and then uh, ended up doing drive uh, two surveys in a row. I ended up coming number two in Sydney on drive. Wow. I know, but but you know, it was pleasing, but I knew nothing about. Um, ratings really. Yeah, I was I was naive to that, and and you know making money off off ratings. I knew nothing, and no one was going to tell you anything if you didn't ask for it. So, <laughs> so I missed out there. Damn. Uh, but that led to the infamous story of um, of um, you may not have heard this of me locking myself out on the roof of TW. Well, no, but uh, I'm very curious to find out. Uh, Bob. Too many cats are out of the bag. <laughs> I was up there on. Uh, I just met my future wife, and I lived um, probably a street or so back from TOW uh, in the apartment block where my balcony looked straight across, and you could see the roof. And uh, I was at work, and I said to her, "I called her up, and I said, look, uh, I'm just going out for a quick ciggy on the roof. I'll give you a wave.'" So I went up there. There was no sticker on the door saying, "You know, take your security key with you." Uh, I don't. I don't even think I had a security key, but I'm sure yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, and so I've gone up there, blah blah blah, and I've gone. I oh, look up. Better go back. I just gave her a wave. Went back to get in and couldn't open the door, right? Oh, so, my God. <laughs> next to the door, there's a series of um, uh, uh, window pales, window panes rather, surrounded in wood, sort of decorative skylight type of thing. So, I've just kicked it in with my foot. Yeah. And the glass shifted and came down, shook, landed in my uh, in my shin on the uh, in, in a shin on just above my heel, yeah. above my uh, ankle, sorry, and managed to pull it out. Bleeding profusely, hopped down into the studio, broke the glass, hopped down in the studio, and got there. Put my foot in the bin before the song finished. Ouch. And so, yeah, but things you do for radio, you know, I'm bleeding to death. But song, you can't have dead air because dead air was the one thing you didn't want in radio. Um, and so that's the story of that. But of course, it's you know, it's grown to legendary status. People have coloured along the way. I've just sat back and listened. I've gone, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> Did you end up having dead air? No, no, no. I got there before the song finished. Oh, well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuck my foot in the bin. I'm bleeding with my foot in the bin. Oh. I'm calling Ronnie. Ronnie, um, problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was um, that was TW, and that was a, a great time being in Sydney. I worked with uh, Rick Melbourne and Trevor Sinclair. Um, and a few other great guys in there, Graham Stone, um, who actually come from Gosford, as, the same as me. So, so, yeah, so next on the list was uh, 2MW, I believe. Where was that? Yeah, 2MW in Mwoomba. Oh, that, of that became Radio 97. Yeah, yeah. I'd uh, taken a bit of time out of radio after that, and then uh, that job came up. I was like, yeah, I'll snap that up. I was making a lot of money um, just doing discos yep. uh, on the side, much more than open radio. But the bug, you know, once you've got radio on your system, you just can't let it go. It takes a lot to let go. Um, and I just found it such a wonderful career and so easy, and I adapted to every aspect of it. I thought, well, this is it for me. So I went up there and uh, did, did uh, 
Yeah, straight into breakfast. Uh, no, I did afternoons first and then went into breakfast. Um, and that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, we were in Wollombar and then we had to move the station to West Tweed Heads where they built a new building. But we all had to move the station ourselves in our own cars. All You're joking. Yeah, oh. it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> all the supplementary stuff in our cars. Oh, um, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I worked there for a little bit longer and, uh, and then I got a call from Craig Denger who I'd worked with at 2GO in my first, my first year of radio, and he's gone, mate, I've got a job for you if you want it. Because um, um, that's right, 2MW had just been purchased by um, 4 G. Yes. And uh, there was going to be a mass, you know, uh, letting go of people, so I thought I'll jump the ship. So I did that and went down to do um, mid-dawns at uh, 2WS and ended up um, getting myself on a day gig there and, uh, oh, Late night, sorry, late night gig, uh, or evenings as they call it. And that was great, uh, filling in casually, doing some weekend shifts. If guys would go away, they'd put me in, you know, they'd, I, I'd sort of proved myself um, down there uh, at the time. And then uh, with my wife, we decided we'd start a family, but we weren't going to, we, we decided to bring the kids up here, bring them up on the central coast as opposed to down there, because all my family was up here. Yeah. And it was it was a one and a half hour drive. Yeah. Down to Seven Hills, so I did that. So you got uh, to work in that famous Pizza Hut building with the Pizza Hut building. And, yes, Hans Tall and Hans. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and uh, Pete Graham and John. Uh, oh, some names I forget now. Uh, some great old people. Rob Neal, wonderful man, and yep. uh, no longer with us. Um, and a couple of others, and had had such a great time down there. I, I learned so much from uh, from people who I'd worked with before. Um, and those who I'd work with again. Uh, anyway, so we came, we decided to come back up here. I got a good job back up here at 2GO, uh, second coming. Yeah. Second homecoming, yeah. Um, and that's when I started off Sarah King, like I was on breakfast. Uh, well, I'd actually come up for afternoons um, and then moved into breakfast after John Kerr had left. And uh, Sarah King came into the play then. Uh, we were looking for someone to partner with me in breakfast because everyone was doing duet, duels, uh, you know, two-person shows in the yeah, morning. Yeah. So Sarah happened to be uh, partnered with um, Guy... Um, uh, oh, <laughs> names are getting me. It's, it's all these medication Guy, Guy Dobson? Guy Ashford. No. Guy Ashford. Oh, Guy yeah. Ashford. Okay. Yeah, so uh, she ended up being a perfect fit. And, oh, excellent. Uh, you know, she was brilliant. She learned so quickly. We were both Gemini's. Uh, you know, we, we had our moments, but we had a lot of fun. Yes. We had a lot of fun. She's such a great kid. She's a great operator too. Um, and that was that was great for a few years. And then uh, um, uh, what happened? Then uh, Coast Rock came calling. And they were the new mob that came into Gosford. And they pitched a, and they got a radio station. They built it in, in Man Street. And it had been started off by... Uh, the guys who bought the license from Orange and Duncan Campbell was the PD, but Duncan wasn't a happy fit there. Um, and once he left, um, I was told to apply for the job, so I became program director. Oh, is that right? announcer. Okay. Yeah. And so we ploughed through, and, and, and you know, you, you've, you've given the lunatic the uh, the keys of the asylum. <laughs> so, uh, so seriously, I loved every second of my two and a bit years there, maybe yeah. longer. Um, started off and helped resurrect a few careers, which is something I wanted to do, knowing my past and and how it had affected me and 
and how someone great had given me a second chance. So I did that with a couple of guys, um, and they went on to big things, um, which was great. Now, Paul Campion is one of them. Yes, um, Campo. Yeah, Dave Wright's another. Yep. Um, Marty Haynes and Kylie Ann Barr, they're, they're the two that joined me on breakfast. Marty was Marty was a guy who was a cameraman at Channel 9. Oh, yeah. And had, had just sort of started doing some stuff, driving trucks on the side for Today FM. Yep. And Kylie was part of that. Uh, part of that as well and yeah. um, Marty had rung me up for a job and I talked to him I've gone you know you sound like a great guy and he's gone you know plus I've got this contact book I've gone oh shoot okay you've got the job <laughs> so you know he came up and we had guests like you know we were speaking to um, Channel 9 personalities left yeah. right and centre and, uh, and we really established a name for ourselves by doing crazy things like um, things that 2GO wouldn't do we would play rocky songs from 6 to 10 then female it up between 10 and 2 and then rock it up after 2 o'clock uh, we'd do comedy spots which is you know having worked for um, uh, for Osteria you picked up a lot of stuff I haven't mentioned B105 actually yeah. um, I think B105 yeah B105 was between 2GO and Coast Rock, uh, where I'd gone up to 4BK, and then uh, they they won the license, so I was the last on 4BK, and then became, and then Rob McCasker on Drive was the first. But you want to find that was another beauty too. I loved every second up there, but it was again had to move because um, personal reasons, not mine, but to save the marriage. So we yeah. moved, um, we moved back down here, and that's when uh, 2GO picked me up, and then not long after that, I got the could be asked from Coast Rock to come on over. So learned a lot from learned seriously learned a lot from a promotional guy called Paul Dutton up there mm-hmm. and uh, Sean Pickwell and oh, uh, yes. the whole, and and uh, the whole programming mantra was something that completely made sense to me. Um, and so when I came back to Coast Rock, I you know like anything with radio, no idea is really brand new. It's all it's all used. It's all used and abused and, and used again. Um, and so I, I borrowed a few ideas and brought it down here and completely, I think it, it took a little bit, but we ended up with no money for marketing, no money for research. Uh, we ended up beating 2GO on my, oh, last, wow. my last effort as PD. It was like, I can't do this anymore. I've got a son. I'm spending 12 hours a day here. And, um, and it was just the perfect end. It was like, we got to number one. We didn't win breakfast, but we won every other shift. It was like, and breakfast was only like about, I think it was like 32 to 26 or something yeah. points in breakfast. And, you know, we're up against the station that, that is that's such a heritage here on the Central mm. Coast yeah. to actually get them after two years of trying. And we all worked seven days a week. We, yeah. You know, it was such a great feeling. It was such a great feeling. And I felt sad that I had to leave, but again, you know, career opportunities call and I could see the writing on the wall with some respects of Coast Rock um, merging into 2GO or the companies becoming one. And so I ended up in Sydney doing uh, nights for Paul Bartlett, who was my PD at 2GO before I left. And we became good friends, you know. Um, he would uh, cover. He ended up covering my shift once when my one of my kids were born, and I ended up covering his shift down at WS. One of his was born. It was um, it's a great friendship that we had. And uh, and when I went um, down there, I was earning more on nights than I was on breakfast up here. Oh my god, that's crazy! Uh, yeah, even though I had a car and everything down here, I was like <clears throat> the value was to go down there in Sydney. But the first six months, you know, driving that. The F3 back then was like anxiety. I'm going one way, everyone's going the other way. So yes. like, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? 
put you know it's amazing a cv in the car back then talking to truckies on the way down on the way back just made the time fly so uh, i did that leave for about oh commuting anyway to sydney and back all up in my life probably about 21 22 years wow yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people that are basing themselves on the central coast and driving out of Sydney for, for all sorts of gigs, and um, oh, you know, you know, it's, it's it's obviously a lifestyle thing, but also it's an affordability thing too. I mean, it's true, but you know, yeah, affordability is still hard to get houses for kids up here, but compared to Sydney, yeah, it's affordable up here, and they've done the M1, the M1 extension, so all the hassles we used to go through in the old days are gone virtually. You know, you still have your traffic problems, but not as bad. So your voice has um, been quite familiar across uh, lots of brands: Channel Nine, Fox Sports, Channel Ten, and uh, um, Sydney Olympics. Yes, Sydney Olympics. Olympics. Tell us that story. How that came about? Ah, that was a buzz. Working at Two WS back uh, back in nineteen ninety nine, early, <clears throat> and they were looking for um, they were looking for people to fill in the spots doing doing announcing and um, and. Uh, I'd sort of seen an ad in the Sydney Morning Herald and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll give this phone number a call. I gave it a call, no one answered. I left the message, thought nothing of it. Next thing you know, I get a phone call back saying, um, yes, we'd like to talk to you about doing stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, what are you talking about? So, well, you know, we'd, we'd like to put you uh, into the presentation uh, area where you do the uh, – all the announcements for the presentation, for the medal announcements, the start of the race and all that sort of stuff. Oh, Jesus, okay. <laughs> that sounds great. And, you know, I've jumped at the chance um, and, and work's gone, look, that's fantastic. Take the two weeks off and away you go. And so I got paid from work and I got paid from the Olympics. Oh, but, double dipping. Nice one. But, yeah, but you don't think of that till, till you, know, you think, oh, there's an added bonus. But, but just being there and being a part of that yeah. uh, was something I'll never forget. It was such an experience. I was a, the cycling announcer for – or the announcer for cycling track at the Velodrome and also for the, for the road races at uh, Centennial Park. Just an amazing experience that was. And it was based on that uh, exposure – but um, through friends of mine, I, uh, I had a contact at Channel 9 call me and, and asked me, did I want to come over and, and do some voicing for them billboards to start off with? And I thought, oh, yeah, I don't know what a billboard is, but I'll do that. Yeah. Bill, billboards are this program brought to you by, brought to you by, that sort of stuff. Oh, yes, yep. So that was, that was, um, that was my first gig at Channel 9, um, doing those, and that turned into promo work. Um, yeah, and then I, then then Fox Sports got me towards the end of that stint there. I did four and a half, five years at nine. Then Fox Sports, I think, bridged the area between Channel Nine and Channel Ten. So there was like a good twelve years of um, of voiceovers as well as radio. So that was that was an amazingly busy part of my life, but it was wonderful. I loved it. I loved the voiceover stuff. That was like one hour a day, if that. Yeah. Um, and the money, television money, was good. I was grateful for it. But you know, you always know that some things don't last forever. No, which is not which a is an old Italian, Well, yeah. Plus, you know, I'm, I'm the son of an Italian migrant who worked, you know, eight and a half days a week. So you know to work and work hard as much as you can, and, and do everything that you can, and when you can, because sometimes the work will run out. You know, so I did as much as I could, and uh, and raised four kids, and, and uh, had a great career uh, doing what I was doing. Uh, all those things, juggling those things at once. But uh, you know, radio has been my true love, and I actually came back to it um, through um, well, 
actually after towards the end of uh, voiceovers and radio doing casual stuff at WS and CH and GI while I was doing all this voiceovers. So I was constantly busy. Um, even up to KO. One day I was doing doing shifts on KO and then back down here at Geo, like doing a morning up there and an afternoon down here. Oh, wow. And in between doing voiceovers, it's like, oh. Um, anyway, um, I'd uh, I'd suffered uh, with my kidneys. I have uh, uh, an inherited disease um, from my mum. It's called polycystic kidneys, where your kidneys just grow with massive cysts in them, right? Ouch. So eventually, eventually they collapsed. I had to go on dialysis. All my work commitments virtually ceased because I couldn't make them because dialysis is like an eight-hour chunk out of your day. Oh, my every, God. Every second day. So every second day for eight hours, I'm sitting in a chair yeah. with my left arm connected, you know, two needles in it, plug going out the machine and coming back, yeah. not moving your left arm. So that really cut into everything. And the only thing that I could do was voiceovers and the odd casual shift if it happened uh, where I could fit it in. Um and so that kept me going. Fortunately, I had a bit of money behind me, but that kept me going. It wasn't that much, but it kept me going with the four kids and, and I was married for a little while and then that broke down mm. um, during it all. Uh, and fortunately, uh, after 10 years of doing stuff, just keeping my head above water, I finally, um, they finally decided to do nighttime dialysis. And that, because you could only do it like starting at six in the morning or at two in the afternoon. Oh, see, so, yeah. So they were the only times you could do it, right? So fortunately, they started one off at six o'clock at night. And I'm like, yes, I can get back in a, or try to get back in a radio. And fortunately, Guy Ashford, name from the past, was general manager at 2HD and New FM in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I rang him and I said, mate, I'm, I'm free to get back into work. Is there anything going? Well, guy's such a good mate. Probably, you know, a day or two days later, he rang me back and said, "Yeah, we've got a job for you." It's like, oh, magic. And I was in. Yeah, it was great, and I was grateful for the job. I didn't care what the money was, um, which helped me through the five years I was there, because um, it wasn't great. Mm. But still, the fact that I was back in radio doing what I loved, and I was mentally in a much better spot because I'm working. And I've got dialysis three nights a week, but I'm still working five days, sometimes six days a week. So my focus turned off the dialysis and, and, and the suffering that went on with that mm. to being back in radio and having fun and the creative stuff comes back and your whole, your whole life picks up. So that was great. And I had five great years there. You know, I, I rated really well every shift I was on from afternoons to drive to morning. Um, rated really well. So I got a lot of confidence back. Always seem to rate well wherever I go, um, so that put a lot of confidence back. And then uh, one day, I, seriously, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, oh, I really should get out and start earning real money again because, um, you know, it's been great to be back here at work. But you know, guy had left and a few other things had happened, and um, and I just was thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from uh, Yama with GR, and he's going, mate. Um, I wonder if you'd like to come back. And I'm like, mate, I'd, I'd love to come back. <laughs> and uh, the job offer was given to me, and that was around five years ago. And uh, I've been at 2GO now, Triple M, ever since again. What was that like, the um, transition from 2GO to Triple M? I mean, that's such an iconic oh, uh, name for exactly. a radio station and that heritage. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, it only started off in 72. I'd started there in 1980, so for the eight years, it was the only station up here you couldn't get. You'd get the odd skip coming through from Newcastle yeah. and even less from Sydney, so it was really hard. Uh, and then when 2 gs started, everyone latched on F. Their first their survey in 1980 when I was there, 92% of Central Coast radio listeners listened to 2GR. Holy crap, that's huge. Yeah, that's a figure I'll never forget. I thought, God almighty, that's the first sort of head around radio and surveys and first thing I ever got in my head. And I was like, I'll never forget that, and I haven't since. But um, I knew how much this station meant to the community. They were involved with everything, and I found that out in my first year. It, the station meant a lot to everyone. And then when it came to changing to Triple M, I could see dark clouds on the horizon just yep. in in attitude and comments and, and how they'd feel like they'd lost their identity, and I could completely understand that, completely. And to me, it was all about softening the blow, and uh, and I think we did a pretty good job uh, in doing that. There were some, you know, some hiccups along the way. Yeah. Nothing I should talk about, but, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but it was, uh, I think, generally uh, a pretty smooth transition and... And I think Triple M has gotten us to where they want us to be. There's always some fine-tuning going on, mm. but I, and I think it'll still go on. But I think we're slowly getting back there, so much so that I'm, you know, I've always been proud of who I work for. Um, I'm proud to walk around and say I work for Triple M Central Coast and stuff. Mm. And, you know, people might say, mate, uh, you're still a 2GO? And I'll go, no, I'm at Triple M. Thanks for listening. And, <laughs> and you know, break the ice down and, you know, and then we'll talk about, oh, 2GO, yeah, but mate, it's going to be something like you, you tend to talk to people around, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I love talking to people and, and making them feel good. That's, that's the whole purpose of my life and my being. I felt through the whole radio career was to make, if I can put a smile or make the corner of someone's mouth curl up whilst they're enjoying their favourite songs, then I've done my job, then I feel good, then I've served a purpose, you know. It's funny how all these things, you, you don't really focus on them until you get to the latter parts of your career mm. and you look back and you go, well, yeah, I, I think I've made a difference in little ways to different people and, and stuff along the way. And that makes me proud. Um, and, and the situation I find myself in today, uh, it's... It, just it, you know, it's overwhelming the amount of feedback and karma that's come back to me from people I've met, people I've influenced, people I've I've could you know uh, helped through their careers, uh, people mates that have helped me, um, people I've you know just barely met, and listeners they've come from everywhere to help me out, and I'm just I'm I'm totally overwhelmed. It's been really hard at times because mm. um, you don't like. I, I don't know. Some people latch on to celebrity. I've always been bashful. I like people thinking nice things and saying nice things about me, but I don't seek it. Yeah. Um, uh, when I get uh, asked to MC something, the hardest part for me is the first five minutes when I walk out in front of the mic and I'm the centre of attention mm. until I start talking or the night gets underway and then I feel the stress go and I'm, and I'm into it. The hardest part for me now will be walking into a room knowing that they're all there for me. Mm. That's going to be the really hard part. And I'm going to go to blood at all these events, but, um, you know, it's I've, oh, I'm just so grateful for everything that's come back. And radio has just been the most incredible ride of my life. Uh, you know, I couldn't recommend it more to anyone else. There are It's more difficult to get in now. There are certain ways you can get in. 
But if you're a communicator or you feel you can make people happy or you've got something to give, don't give up. Keep chasing. There's always a way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Be persistent. And your career has been incredible, Bob. So many stations to list there. More stations than the XPT, I used to say. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still going, um, but unfortunately you've had some bad news in the, in the past couple yeah. of years, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. The situation I'm in now, as I've just alluded to, is I got diagnosed. Oh, well, I had a kidney transplant five years ago, so I was free living for five years, no restrictions, <clears throat> back on the Harley, enjoying myself. <clears throat> And then uh, December last year, diagnosed with renal cell cancer, um, plus uh, the um, the M protein in my blood, which leads to multiple myeloma and bone cancer. But it's that's dormant in my blood at the moment, <coughs> but I still have it. But I'm um, yeah, I'm suffering from renal cell cancer, and I've had a few operations. Oh, well, one operation to put some rods in my back to strengthen. Um, the spine around the T12 joint where it's gone from my kidneys that some metatastasis has gone into my spine. And so we had to shore the spine up for some pretty strong radiation, <laughs> which they felt might crush the bone. So we did that. Pardon me, I'll just have a sip of water right. here, Lee. Yeah, no worries, man. Um, yeah, so we did that. That was um, the week between Christmas and New Year's. I actually spent New Year's in hospital, but uh, that was done and I'm fully recovered from that, and I've gone through three lots of radiation, uh, which was uh, pretty strong stuff, and now I have to wait. It's been a month since we finished. I have to wait probably another month before we know whether it's been successful or how mm-hmm. successful it's been. Yeah. And all, and I'd been going through 12 months of pain that I thought was muscle pain, but it turned out it was nerve pain from the tumour growing in my spine pushing on a nerve. Ooh. So my message is to you and every bloke out there, or even even girls, you know, if you've got a, a constant pain that you think is a muscle pain, check it out. Because, mm. you know, I lived with this for 12 months and, you know, I've got to stop kicking myself, but I should have done something earlier. I should have gone to a doctor instead of a physio. Mm. That's the difference. Yeah. So anyway, now I've got people left, right and centre, people I've worked with who've taken up the mantle and gone and organised this golf day. Um, also, a, another ride, a motorbike and, and car day that's coming up. And the GoFundMe page, my daughter out of the blue organises a GoFundMe page. And, and I was, I, I, honestly, I was embarrassed. Um, but, uh, you know, um, because, you know, I'm thinking, you know, people must think, people are out there thinking, I'm a radio guy and I've got money and, you know, you must be rich. You mean, well, well, but, you know, as I've explained to you, my life's been. Um, ups and downs and the last 15 years has been difficult uh, and there's not much there you know and they've all done this I've got four beautiful kids and they've just done all this stuff organised all that and then you know it's I think the guy found me page is called Bob's Battle if you feel like donating or or um, uh, helping me out but um it's just amazing that all these people are coming to the fore, people that you've met through radio, the connections you've got that you thought you'd possibly lost or, or hadn't remembered. They've all come back in droves. And it's just, it's filled me with so much joy and inspiration. You know, it's just been wonderful. And, um, yeah, I can only thank radio for that. You know, I don't think as a mechanic I would have met as many people. No, that's true. That's very yeah. true. Yeah. And again, uh, make sure you uh, get onto that GoFundMe page for Bob's battle to uh, give the man a hand. He's, he's had an incredible career and, um, 
Yeah, we we're a big family in the radio industry. We, we all are. know each other. We we've, we are. we've crossed paths many times, and yes. we know exactly what it's like. There's there's lots of um spotlights and and uh, happy times, but there's also some sad times too. So bonding together yeah. and and making a difference for um our comrades certainly uh, is a is a helping hand for all of us. It is, Lee. It is, and uh, and hopefully I'll be back on air at Triple M up here uh, in about a week's time. I'm hoping. So we'll, they're going to. I think we're talking about easing me back in, but we'll see how we go. I want to keep working. You know, I'm not ready to go yet. No, definitely, Bob Peters. Thanks for joining us on the Radio Fanboy Podcast. Thanks, Bevo. Appreciate it. The Radio Fanboy Podcast, hosted by Bevo and produced by Matt Fulton Productions. Dan Hill speaking.